Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein and Nigel here on the table. Uh, today, we are continuing in our series on how to survive through adversity. And Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, mm -hmm. the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Now, if you're wondering how Nigel the cat got in here, we're not in the studio. No. Because of the uh, coronavirus, we're at our producer's house, and we're in his kitchen. Yes. We and we're we're doing this less formally, so um, it it sounds different to us too. As I'm listening to it, well, this yeah. is less formal, yeah. but we're we're one of those groups that we we're survivors and we adapt, and that's what we're doing today. We've been ordered to shelter in place, and we're sheltering in Steve's place for now. Yep. And. Uh, so far, everybody at our place at the Institute is very healthy and well, um, and we're glad of that. We're grateful. Most of the people I know are yeah, still doing know. very well. Anyone so we want to make sure that Lynn is protected with what she's going through. But so far, everybody's doing very nicely, and uh, we haven't seen too much trouble, not, not in the uh, viral sense. We have seen what fear can do. Yes. And, and, uh, That's real trouble. Yes and the paranoia and hysteria. We have seen already the kind of damage and to, to health and well-being that can happen. Yes. And that's, I almost think at this point, at least where we are, that seems to be more of a predominant theme than the virus, because so far we're the, the, the talk about the virus is more, uh, we're hearing about it from the medical experts, we're hearing about it on the TVs, on the newscasts, uh, we're all paying attention to a degree, um, but a lot of people aren't just paying attention, they're addicted, and it's making them very frightened and very tense, and some people already are starting to get ill, not from virus, but from the he heavy-duty distress that um, is uh, affecting their, their well-being. That, to me, is a real issue that we need to discuss today. Yes. Um, how to approach these, these crises and these difficulties in a more balanced way. Um, we've had other crises that were very, very destructive. The last one was the re Deep Recession. That was devastating to most of us. Um, and there is an economic part of absolutely. what's happening today, too. And, you know, I'm almost thinking that if that's part of the cure, the cure could be worse than the disease because what's happening to people where they can't earn a living, they can't make money, their businesses are being shut down by the thousands. That's adding to the level of stress. I think it's, cre it, you know, at this point, I think it's yeah. the main focus for folks in Art Sick. Yeah. Is where, what are they going to do? Hey, sit down. What are they going to do um, when they can't earn a living? And most people really depend on what they earn. Yes. I mean, from week to week. The hourly wage people. Yeah, so we've been hearing a lot about that, and that one was, we even wrote a book about it in the last deep recession, um, and we called it Trauma Healing, the Hidden Epidemic, and I, I think we could update that, and we will, but we've written some really important papers during that time, and um, I think that we're going to just update those papers, keep the core of them fundamentally in place, 
because it applies just as much to this epidemic instead of being just financial as the last one was. This one is financial, but it's also health, of course. So we want to make sure we pay attention to both, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, anyway. Yeah, what, I think what, what we have been actually doing today and for the last few days is uh, meeting with, talking with people in the community, and also seeing our clients and seeing the range of fear that uh, that is, is coming up around the situation. Mm -hmm. And seeing that has reminded us of some of the things that we were thinking about and writing about during the Great, Great Recession, recession. All about 10 years ago now, maybe a mm -hmm. little bit more. Mm -hmm. And what can we pull from that time to help people now? Because there are some, some very basic principles that we believe uh, apply to any difficult, stressful, critical situation that are essential for uh, working through it, navigating it, and coming through on the other side and becoming more resilient, which is a theme that we've had here on our podcast. Well, I think the resilience and hope theme uh, started during that time. Yes. I really do. I don't think, for us, it wasn't like things eased up, really, because other things happen. We deal with people in crisis. Our own lives have been hit hard, some of mine, of course, with my wife and my mother. But we've dealt with, we've been helping a lot of people that have had serious problems since then. And um, so I think there was a lot to be learned, but I also know that we were, when we did our writing and the book, we were further into the, the crisis, and I think we were more through it than we even realized, but we couldn't, nobody really knew yet. On this one, we're really early. It is. This is early, and yeah. so I don't. We don't want to be insensitive, and all of a sudden just say, "Oh, well, just don't be afraid about anything, and it's all going to be all right." I think to me that would be pretty insensitive, and I wouldn't do that anyway. At this point, I think we all need to pay attention, and uh, I really believe that we need the information to have perspective, and there is such a thing as healthy fear. Yes. And you got to pay attention to some of the things that are coming out. They're very important. Um, I know that it's, I, I already heard something just before I came in here, it's very interesting. Last week they were talking about the death rate for this particular virus was going to be 5%. That is a huge amount, right? Right. It's less. Now today, they're checking out their figures, they're checking out what was put into that uh, uh, model. It's nothing like 5%. It's, it's probably down around 1% is the reality. So, I mean, if you've you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt and not, because when you hear 5%, you're talking massive numbers. It's a not okay even 1%, but it's a whole lot different at 1% than it is at 5 or 6%. So we're beginning to see things maybe a little bit fall into place, yeah. um, and that's what we need. Now... I don't think the media has really been keeping in mind anything falling in place. They just were un just loading everybody up with the worst scenarios possible, and um, the fear turned into, really, for a lot of people, it turned into terror, and it turned into hysteria. So it wasn't healthy fear and panic. Yes. So, and we've seen people that have, this is an interesting fact, people that have had trauma in their past, now most of the people we deal with do, this triggered that particular, those old fears, and it ran right up into the present, and their whole nervous system went into such an incredible hyper-aroused 
type of state, that people began to blow fuses. And what I mean by that is they really want overload and nothing, could, they couldn't, they weren't going to stop it. I have seen that. Yes, we and, have. And um, the truth of the matter is to keep perspective, and I don't mean just in your head, but to, to stay cool about it and just deal with things one day at a time and not let it terrify you is a much healthier approach. In always, yes. And always. Now, it's harder for people that have had past trauma that haven't healed or where they kept it kind of under the surface, but really it, they didn't really get through any of it or a lot of it, and boom, this is the kind of thing that brings it up in spades. That's the kind of thing. We are seeing it. And I've talked to people on the street, and they see it. Yeah. Wait, this isn't some, you know, terribly... Uh, erudite professional observation, clinical observation, people in the streets see it too. They know. There's plenty of people that are smart and know. The, the problem really, and somebody had asked me, well, fear is okay, isn't it? And I said, of course. Healthy fear is important. Yeah, some caution. But they said, yeah. but, and somebody said today, but panic and isn't caution. Yeah. And um, they were right. And it's not. So we're not the only ones seeing the, the problems with this. Um, so we're paying more attention to it. We want to offer a more balanced view. We do. Not with denial. Not with burying your head mm -hmm. in the sand and pretending that it doesn't exist. Nobody's saying that. But we are saying we're going to show you and we're going to offer you some fundamentals that will come out of this. will actually, and we saw it in the last one, I want to say this. I know it sounds ludicrous, but there are positive things and hopeful things that come out of this that you'll never see at any other time. And one of the things that struck me in the last real crisis was all of a sudden the barriers that people in the community, just, they were really unto themselves, they were moving ahead, money, getting ahead, uh, not just surviving, but really wanting to make it up, make it, it was so intense that people forgot about caring about each other. And it really, I don't care what the lip service was, it really wasn't happening very much. And... What we saw during the last crisis, I'm beginning to see in this one already. The barriers are coming down. The, the, the artificial pride is beginning to come apart. And people are beginning to show concern and caring and wanting to connect with each other again. Now, I thought in the last, I knew my worst suspicion last time was when this crisis is over, people are going to forget about what they've learned and go on and go right back to the way it used to be. I was hoping that wouldn't happen. It happened. Plenty. And this time, I really hope that people are seeing that caring for each other and reaching out to each other is so important. I mean, that in itself is a, is a healing thing to do, even when people aren't feeling well or people are sick or you have a sick member of your family. To care about them, to show it. To, but I mean, there's this, I'm talking about genuine, sincere caring. is so important. It doesn't show very often on a large scale until you hit a crisis. Now, I can't speak for the rest of the world. I can speak for the United States. The last one brought people together. Absolutely. And yeah. this one, I hope, will do it again because people forgot about what they learned. We're starting to see signs of that. I am. Yes. And people are more pleasant to each other um, if they're not terrified and caught up in the hysteria. Yeah. They're kinder. They're smiling. They're making an effort to be 
engage with, now I'm not talking physically because people are, a lot of people are paying a close attention to maintaining that five, six foot, six foot uh, um, space, but it's beyond that. Even with the six feet, you can show caring and compassion yeah. and concern for each other, and you can help each other. Yeah, there are ways to do that. And I'm beginning to, I think I'm beginning to see it. Last time, I was sure I saw it, but we were in very deep. We're just starting. This yes. one's just starting, so I'm hoping that people realize they're going to need to help each other and support each other in the community. We'll talk more about that. Yes, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and we are uh, sheltering in Steve's place. Uh, this is kind Steve of, is our producer. Steve's our producer. This is really kind of the beginning, uh, early stages of the uh, coronavirus uh, effect in California, in our community. And we're coming to you today offering some very solid principles for how to approach a difficult time, paying significant appropriate attention to, to healthy fear, to having the right caution about things, but also paying attention to not panicking. And what can we do to stay healthy both body and mind and emotions? Um, how can we weather this time and come out on the other side uh, even more resilient? Well, I hope so. That's what we really are shooting That's what for. what we would like. But I remember talking to a lady, uh, a nurse, uh, Saturday, and she had a lot to say. But one of the things she said, she thought American people are spoiled. And I was, okay, what do you mean by that? And she says, they're used to things going much easier. They're used to having what they access to what they want. Um, if they work hard for it, they can get it. And, you know, she had a lot to say. But... I think one of the things that I was picking up from that is we have certain attitudes that seem to just crop up whether it's conscious or unconscious and that part she was correct about. Um, the, the certain attitudes really get in the way but they seem to be stripped away during crises. And we've talked about it on so many episodes because we deal with death and dying and sickness it's in a, all, a lot. And it's our day to day That's every day for yeah. us. And no one's saying it's easy at all. In fact, we've made a very clear statement and, 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 and exemplifying and talking about, we're not talking about we don't feel the pain and grief at all. We just say, by this time we're able to deal with it um, where we can take care of the people in front who, who are needing our help, realizing it's affecting us because we are more empathic type people and we are used to giving people who can't give much back. Um, we know about that, but we also know that later we have to take our time to take care of ourselves. Physically, we read our bodies, and we always encourage people, we've taught people, and we'll bring it up again, on how the body will tell you, before you're even conscious of it, um, what kind of stresses and distress you're absorbing. For us, that's a, that's a really important indicator of uh, uh, how, to, how to do well in self-care. Self-care 
is really important. Now what we've discovered is it's part of our life and it has to be if we're going to go on. Because the kind of thing we're involved in could just take us down very seriously. There'd be no, it'd be easy for us to burn out. It'd be easy for us to be so depleted that our health begins to go down. And we've seen some caregivers lately that came, that wanted to work for us and uh, on, on some of our teams. And not that they weren't good people, but they were in such poor physical condition from all the caregiving they've been doing that they would be a liability. And although they, they could be very good caregivers, there's a liability issue, I'm not talking legally. If they're not in good shape physically and they've let themselves deteriorate past a certain point, then it's very hard to have them work for you for very long because something's going to go. The chances are very strong that something can happen to them. We've had that come across in the last two weeks and good people. Mm -hmm. But we looked at them and go, this is going to be true. And when we hear their age, mm -hmm. they look 20, 25 years older than they are. Mm -hmm. That's how severe it is the kind of world that we're involved in, the kind of work we're involved in. Well, you know, there's something to be learned about that. Because in this particular crisis, there's a lot of people that haven't been dealing with, you know, sickness, dying, death, all those kinds of fears and uh, things that are in our face and challenge us. We have to deal with it every day. Yes. Uh -huh. And I know other people that do too. but. Honestly, first responders, first responders do, caregivers yeah. do, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but what we're seeing is that as a, as a general population, no, no, not in this country. Not in our culture, no. And when the crisis hits, though, yeah. then you have it on a massive level. And you're seeing how ill-equipped. Mm -hmm. This isn't said judgmentally, by the way. It's said, like, no. look it. They're not used to it. They've been living in some kind of denial that, hey, People can get sick, deathly sick, and we got to cope with it, and we got to get through it, and we will, and we can help other, we can help each other get through it. It's, it, it's as my 95-year-old mother said, we've been through terrible things before, and we always get through it. Well, that was the words of wisdom, and I agreed with her, and she wasn't denying the severity of this, but she was saying we'll be okay. I agree with you. And I don't see my mother going into hyper alert no. about it. She's got this solid wisdom and experience from years and years of living and going through hard times. Um, that she wasn't, she wasn't panicked, she wasn't hysterical. She said, I know we'll get through this. Now she's faced life and death issues her own and her loved ones. So she's got, she's got a lot of experience at 95 years old. Mm -hmm. We may not be 95, but I'll tell you what, we've had a very condensed kind of experience in helping others, and my wife and others, we have people coming to us that are filled with grief and loss, and uh, it's, it's no one's saying it's easy, but they do get through. I want to share something with you, a very interesting story I've seen lately, and I think I mentioned it before, there's a restaurant in town called Saxe's, and I, I eat breakfast over there, and it's an interesting place. Because if they, the whole theme of it is to is the fifties. Mm -hmm. It's a diner type. Scene. Yeah, it's a, a, yes, a really, They've done a really good job. They've done a good job. They and do very food. well. Yeah. They've been usually really busy. Well, all the businesses in our city are shut down. All the restaurants are shut down. The only thing you could get is takeout. And I went to get a takeout yesterday. Actually, I went with Steve's wife. She was for another reason. But we went over there and. Um, 
the, the two owners, the two sisters, Tiffany and Kimberly, were working like dogs. Yeah. I mean, hard workers. Yeah. And they were really pushing it out. No help. All their, they had to let all their staff go. And they were willing to carry on by themselves. Mm -hmm. You had to see this. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw a certain strength in them. And uh, they're very human with me. And um, uh, Kimberly had just been, had a serious car accident. Somebody rear-ended her. She had a concussion, back injuries, neck injuries. Just maybe, I don't know, I want to say five weeks ago, maybe, no, maybe a little that, bit more. Probably, yeah. And she's just really just recently been able to even come back to work. Yeah. But she was working really hard. So was her sister Tiffany in the kitchen. They were working and pumping out. And as I was waiting, uh, uh, Kimberly was talking to me about what they went through personally as a family just before they opened the restaurant. I think one of the biggest motivators, uh, the biggest motivator for them was their father. Yeah. And he was the one that wanted them to open up their own place. They named the place after him. That was his nickname, Sax. Oh. Yeah. Well, he died. And they had to nurse him and caregive for him while he was dying before they opened the restaurant. At that same time, after he died, I think her, they were very close with the grandmother, the grandfather, and one other person, all in a year's time. Mm. And it's an interesting thing. They know the caregiving that we do. And, and you know, everyone's, these aren't super clinical sophisticates. They don't have to be. No. They have the experience and the wisdom. And they could empathize with me in a way that was, you could not miss how close they understood what I was going through and what others go through. And they are probably so grateful to be able to talk with you that you can understand what they've been through. Now that's true. Yesterday she was, to, while she was serving, and I'm thinking, you are working really hard. What I saw was a certain strength in them and resilience under very adverse conditions. They weren't giving up, and uh, not at all. And, and this is what they talked about. They have been through such hard times yeah. that I don't hear him saying this was easy. I just hear him saying, of course, we're going to, this is what we do. We have to do it. And we've dealt with other difficulties before, and we'll deal with this. But they have a, such an understanding, such a humanity, and a compassion and empathy, and a certain strength and resilience within them, it's, you can't miss it. So I really appreciated um, talking to them yesterday, and they were wonderful, and they made me a good breakfast to take out. And I even brought Steve's, Steve's uh, wife, Colleen, who's developing her own um, physical training. Personal training. Personal training for middle-aged right, people yeah, and, okay. and elderly. And uh, anyway, well, one of the girls, she's beautiful, but she gained a lot of weight. And she says, this is what I do when I'm under stress. And since I know her, she gained a lot. And I said, well, let me introduce her to Colleen. And uh, Colleen went over, and I talked to her. And as busy as they were, they were willing to talk to Colleen, and they were jamming. Mm -hmm. So um, there's plenty of opportunities. If you reach the humanity of someone and you connect human to human, you'd be surprised how much trust and, um, and camaraderie you have. It's just, it's like a brotherhood, a fellowship, sisterhood thing, and it's irrefutable. And I do think there's a spiritual element to it. Not religious necessarily, but spiritual for sure. Yes. Uh -huh. Because during these times, people wind up examining their own spirituality, all sides of it. Mm -hmm. And this is a really excellent time 
during a crisis to begin to re-examine your spiritual beliefs. Whether you don't have any or whether you've used your spirituality as a way of hiding out, the people do that too, and their religiosity, that won't hold. You can, people can profess lots of things, but these are the kind of experiences cut through all the professing and you find out where you really are. So the folks that don't have any need to start re-examining their own issues of trust and faith. And those who have professed to have so much may have to re-examine sometimes and discover they're not where they hoped they would be or what they profess to be. That's actually a very re a time of rebuilding, a time of healing and growth. I know it's been true for me. So it may be painful, but it's sure worthwhile because you grow from that. And wherever you've discovered the, the holes in your spiritual beliefs, well, this is a time for you to, to through the confrontation of what you're going through to rebuild. And I think it's a, it's a, if you're, I am a spiritual man, and I do look at that, believe me, that is the core of everything I do. And that's where I get my hope from. But I'm also a very realistic man. And I make sure I always keep my feet on the ground. And I make sure people that are working for me and working with me, that they keep their feet on the ground too. So we're not talking about some esoteric, far-out religious thing. We're talking about grounded, down-to-earth, real spiritual faith and uh, this is a good time to re-examine that you've been listening to the survivor's guide to life on kpca petaluma 103.3 fm we'll be back after a short break Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and today we are talking about the very current uh, situation in our country, in the world of the coronavirus. We, in our last segment, we were talking about attitudes and what, uh, what difficult times can reveal to us about some of our attitudes. Are we spoiled? Do we have pride? Um, are we not equipped to deal with very difficult times of, of disease and death? Is our culture really uh, open to this? Uh, we also mentioned that this is a time when not only attitudes are exposed, but uh, possibly looking at your spiritual life and how, how do you stand with issues around some kind of hope or faith in, in life and what happens to you? I want to return to some of those issues now. Okay. You know, I want to refer you all back to a pa some papers that we had published and we wrote during the last crisis. And uh, it was a, a newsletter, we called it a trauma newsletter. And one of the papers we wrote was called, well, this is the shortened version, we had another version called Lessons for Thriving in Hard Times. Oh, a yeah. lot of the things we're talking about today are clarified and put down in, the, in those papers. We had, this is the shorter version. We wrote the initial paper during the Great Recession right. about 10 years ago. What, was, what did we originally call that? Uh, Lessons for Surviving in Hard Times. Hard Times. And I think that's a, re a relevant title for right now. Yeah. We modified it, I'll tell you why. Because after a while, we weren't in an absolute crisis anymore. We were dealing, people were dealing with the effects of it. And we wanted to talk to them about 
thriving, not just surviving. Not just getting stuck in the surviving mentality. Okay. Right now, to be real realistic, mm -hmm. I think surviving survival and surviving is a very key topic. It's more where we are Do now. I think that we can thrive through it eventually? Absolutely. The reason I say it that way is I'm going to talk, I wouldn't feel very tuned in if I'm talking about we're going to thrive during this difficult time. That's to me pie in the sky insensitivity. Do I think out of this good things will come? I absolutely believe it, but we still are facing some very frightening things that can happen with this pandemic. So I don't want to be insensitive to that. I want to be careful about that one. Yeah, very Do much. I think we'll eventually thrive and come out of it for the better? I sure think so. We can. We can. We can. But right now, I think we ought to talk. I think talking survival yeah. is legit. Yeah. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. And that's one of the other things we talk about is not letting the spirit of fear take over. That's one of our main points. That's one of our Absolutely. main points here. Let me put my glasses on and let's see. That was point number two. Number two. Refuse. Number one's essential too, but number two. I'll go back to that one. Yeah. Um, refuse to take on the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is always present. It's essential that you not allow the spirit of fear to overpower you. you got to try to rise above it. I think that's legitimate. The one before it, though, mm -hmm. is a good one. And that's, I see that, ha this part I do see happening already. Slow down. In some ways, the slowing down is being forced. <clears throat> and you know what? I personally, it's time for me to, yeah. it's given me, I sleep better, I'm definitely getting more rest, and the pace of life is slower for now. I don't mind it. I'll be honest with you, I'm almost thinking that it's a, like a, some kind of, I know this sounds perverse, I'm almost like feel like I'm on a vacation because everything is slowed down. All the stores are shut. Mm -hmm. the traffic is a lot less. There is no there's so little traffic. Yeah, yeah. So I like that part. Um, but I think slowing down is a very important part of it. And we said during hard times, time of difficulty, stress, and crisis, it's essential to slow down. And here's the key, a very practical key, and take life one day at a time. And I say after that, sometimes it's all you can do just to take things just one hour at a time. And I said, worrying about the future prevents us from dealing with life in the present with a clear head. That's a key factor, and I'm seeing that it's too easy, considering what the media is pouring out and what we're seeing so on such a wide and such a huge scale, that people are getting ahead of themselves. And the media is feeding it every day. You mentioned this morning about the danger of the projections that are being made and, and the assumptions that they're based on can be can be very faulty. off base. They can be faulty and they're not true. Yeah. So that's one of the problems we all have to keep in mind to keep our perspective. Things can change. They're talking about statistics this week that are so much, as far as survival, life and death, much less much different than just a week or two ago. A week ago. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things we've got to look at. And the basic fundamental is we only can handle one day at a time. And when you're in a crisis, one hour at a time, many, many times when you're really in the midst of it. So it's very, it's very important to slow yourself down. And when you start getting ahead with worry and anxiety, to, to bring yourself back to the present. And as you do that, you, things are more manageable. To be honest with you, they are more manageable. And you could, 
somehow get through one day, one hour at a time, even though they're difficult, and we've had many, we do get through. So that's not just for us and the work we do, that's for anyone. That's for anyone. And worry is getting ahead of yourself, and worry produces intensified fear. Because once you start worrying about the future, you can be guaranteed you're going to start getting anxious, you're going to start getting scared, your nervous system is going to ratchet right up to hyperarousal. If you've had people that have had past traumatic experiences, that's going to get triggered. And when that happens, the intensity that goes on in your system, not just in your mind, can make people sick. And we have seen it happen. We have. Yeah. So it's just for, for first aid, for personal first aid, it's really important if you're a person that tends to be really fearful or paranoid or it's important to get a grip on yourself and not let that take over and just to live just be great be grateful it at one day it's a lot easier to handle than all the stuff in the future that could worry us sick and there's always challenges in the future during a crisis we're overloaded with fears and worries and information and it's always about not the present it's about how terrible things are going to get and how dangerous they are how many people are going to die, how the hospitals are going to be completely inundated and we don't have enough hospitals, enough hospitals. I mean, I'm hearing it constantly. The California Governor Newsom is loaded with scaring people. He's just loading people up with disastrous future information. And, I, you know, I, I listen to it and go, you know what, we deal with the facts, but when this guy gets done, he's going to scare the heck out of the whole state, and he's doing it. And every day he comes on. Yeah. He's coming on with scary, we don't have enough beds, we're going to increase, we're going to do this, we're going to have so many beds that are needed and we're not going to be able to provide it. And It's just unbelievable. And the thing is, what about now? How are you doing now? If there's nothing wrong with planning for the future. That, that almost kind of takes us to the next point. I was just going to mention, you're doing, you're right on it. I was just going to say that the next point that we wrote was deal with reality but recognize that facts aren't the complete reality. It's important to face your reality. Don't be in denial, like you said. Look at the facts, but don't let them be the complete reality that, that you've got to hang on to um, the, the basics of where you are and not get carried away. Okay. I remember when we wrote that, and what we were talking about were how many people, um, and I, I certainly was included in that, were losing all of their money, their savings, their homes, um, everything that they were depending on that was going to give them a sense of security and hope for the future. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we were telling people, if you just myopically just focus on that, you were going to feel so discouraged and so despairing and so vulnerable in the wrong kind of ways. Don't just do that. There's more to the picture than just focusing on the material things at that point that you were losing or have lost already. Well, moving it up to the present, it, there's, it's a similar principle, and I'm trying to, I'm thinking it through here. There's more to this than we don't want to lose our health. We don't want anybody to lose their health. But I am telling you, there's more to the picture than just that. Um, we are, we're going to, everybody should do whatever they can to stay healthy, for sure, and to stay prepared. No question about it. But is there more to it than that? Let's say somebody does get sick. Let's say those things do happen. Well, what happens then? It's not the end of the world. 
That's what we discover. Even in the midst of those kinds of difficult crises, what we've discovered is there's these little moments, there's these little things, and what usually comes out of it is a greater appreciation and gratitude for the littlest things. Mm -hmm. And people can change, and you can really begin to develop into the person you're meant to be through the crisis, through the difficulty. You can even find your own resilience and strength. But you're going to also, if you're sick or you know somebody's sick, of course you're going to go through that. If somebody is sick and dying and dies, of course you're going to grieve and feel terrible pain. And we're never dismissive of that. But I am saying you'll discover so much that is good that even can come out of that. Now, this may be premature for this crisis. It may be a little premature. Uh, and I don't want to be that, but I just want to tell you, don't get caught up in hearing the disasters for the future and lose sight of what you still have in the present. Yeah. And if you, have, if you are going along and you're still making it, um, and you're walking and people you love are, are making it one way or another, be grateful. Mm -hmm. um, in my life, I have people that are not. And I can still find ways to feel gratitude and appreciation for the little things. And I know that you are like that too. We know lots of people around us yeah. in our institute, same way. We, live in a, we do live in a different universe. But boy, the, the purposefulness, the fulfillment, the gratification and the appreciation I see in people, it's changing their lives. And it's not under easy conditions. It's under very painful conditions. So I do believe that can come out of this eventually on a wide scale if people will open up to it. I, it's, it's such a thing, a potential thing to have happen. That we, We've seen it happen in the past. It can mm -hmm. happen this time I too. I think so. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, again, we are in a time, early in the time, of the coronavirus uh, being part of our life and our world. Uh, today, Peter and I are sharing some of the um, principles that we first put together back during the Great Recession a little over 10 years ago for important things to keep in mind when going through very difficult times, and we want to share them with you today. Mm -hmm. We covered a few of them uh, in the last segment, which includes uh, slowing down, taking things day by day, um, don't take on the spirit of fear, and deal with your reality, but don't let, it, don't let yourself run away with it. Uh, just during our break, we were thinking, because we have ten of them and only one more segment today, so we'll come back with this, but what did we think was most important to cover before we're done today? And uh, it's the next point in our list, which is don't let your emotions dictate your perspective. I think that's a big one here. I, I, that's what I'm seeing right now mostly, is people are letting their emotions overtake them. I'm not telling you not to have emotions, we all do. I'm saying don't allow your emotions to give you, think they don't think they're giving you an accurate perspective on reality. Emotions don't. Our felt state, our feeling state is different. And that gives us a sensitivity to what's going on. That's different. But emotions are different. If you allow those to take over, 
there's almost a guarantee you're not going to get accurate perspective on anything. And it's going to usually be pretty negative, hopeless, despairing, discouraging, terrifying. Um, you can make yourself ill. I've seen people do it particularly. I've seen people burn out over it. Yeah. And they can't even function anymore or they get sick. So we know that's for real. And it can, be, it can happen to all of us. The key really is to have some, it's a good mind, a good clear mind about that, that how, how emotion works, and to know, yes, you're going to feel them, but you've got to have something deeper within yourself that, that can tell you that we're going to get through this, and you have the hope. Usually people that have been through crises and difficulty before, they have it. They don't just have the effects of trauma, which is, some people don't get past that, but the folks that do, they've been traumatized too, and pain too. But what they've learned from it is that they're going to make it. There is, there is hope. In fact, they'll change for the better. And they know it because most of us have had that experience. Um, crises many times break people in a way that nothing else can. Being a caregiver, um, oh, there's an analogy to that because a caregiving does the same thing. It will break you. What is the very core of it? We don't have control. Our controls are just stripped away. For those of us who think that discipline and control are going to be the answer to all our problems, trust me, it won't be. Um, you've got to have more than that. There's got to be something deeper within yourself that has hope to it and trust and faith. And from past experiences that you've been through that were very difficult and overpowering and heartbreaking, you made it. You did come through. It's really good to have past experiences that you could fall back on in a positive way to go, you know what, I made it through that, and that was a life and death struggle. Let me, let me ask you something, because you're talking about, right now you're saying going through things and having them, going through very difficult things and having it be positive, but just a little bit ago you said that people would be broken. How is that possible to be a positive experience, to be broken? Well, I don't, okay, I'm saying broken in a, in a, in a, in a different context. First of all, brokenness is a stripping where we're thrown back on ourselves. And what we, we're thrown back on ourselves where we, we can't deny the truth of who we really are. We can't deny our, our, our weak spots. We can't deny our vulnerabilities because we are stripped to the core. And at that point, we're forced to look at ourselves in an honest way. Not everybody does. We've seen people run away from it and do not do well afterwards. But I'm talking about the people who stick it out. And um, they do look at themselves. And they realize one of the hardest things for them is, I don't have the power to change the situation right now. Um, I, I don't have the control that I'm used to having. And I can pretend, I can talk a good game, but these kind of experiences strip all of that away. It's a very painful process. It's also a very spiritual process, too. I don't, I don't want to say that. Um, but through it, people can discover a deeper sense of who they really are. They can develop an integrity and, a, and, a, and see a goodness within themselves and a positive type of vulnerability where all the defenses are stripped, the arrogance, the pride the condescension and uh, everything else and, and keeping yourself distant from other people because you don't trust them and you don't like them or you're so into yourself, you name it. All of those things are defenses and facades so you don't have to look at yourself. 
We're talking about being broken in a positive way. Not that it feels positive. It feels very painful at the time. But positive things and experiences come out of it. There's a purpose to it that we don't always see when we're going through it. But you've got to have the faith and trust that that will begin to show itself. You may not see it yet. Um, that's what faith is. It's like it's, you know, trusting in things you can't quite see yet. When you're broken and you're in the midst of it, it's very hard to see what the point of all of this is until you get further through it. And then you begin to see things in a new light. Now, I've read, I, we read that book, oh, what was the name of it? I liked it, by uh, The Mom and Daughter. Oh, Transformative Resilience. Very good, really good book, yeah. The Marstons. And they talk about what they've gone through. And I think the daughter um, had a very serious accident, never thought she was gonna walk again. And she was a very ambitious girl at the time. And, I think she was in bed for like, I, I don't, you have to read the book, I can't remember exactly, probably a year. But she reevaluated her life during that time. And um, one of the things that she said that came out of it was a deeper concern and caring for her fellow man and a deeper appreciation for life. And she began to refocus what she really wanted to do with her life. And it had to do with serving others and taking care of others and being there for others in ways she never had anticipated before. And to develop a deep caring and appreciation for life. I've heard that more times than not. I also went through terrible times and I know I didn't come, about, come through it in a, a world like that either where I really, it took some real breaking and some real losses and stripping in my life to really reignite my life in a new direction that had to do with serving others and caring for others which is going on and continues growing to this day and helping others. I know that's true for you too. You were an it engineer. Is. Yeah. For a, a petroleum engineer. Brilliant. And she changed her whole life. She's still an engineering type. But she cares for others and she has an empathy and a compassion that goes and she can help others. She's assist me plenty with people. So um, I think the stripping I'm talking about and being the and the breaking really is in a more hopeful and positive context, not painless. No. I wouldn't dare say that. No. In fact, sometimes extraordinarily painful and and it's upsetting because you're stripped and you're out of control, and it is a time of it's a pretty scary time. It's a time when you're you may be experiencing real losses yeah, and right. you may be grieving at the same time. Yeah, there is a grief that, that goes along with it every time, whether it's for yourself or your loved ones. Mm -hmm. Oh no, it's, it's, it's an ambiguous type of grief because it may not be that the person you're that's caring for died, but there's something about you that's died and you're giving up. Right. So I mean there is that too. Um, these things are really important. One thing that I ended, we ended up, we'll get back to this next week because these papers are really This is written. essential, I think. And we're going to rewrite this paper to bring it right up to the present and you're going to be, it's going to be available to you if you ask for it. Um, but the last thing I talked about was don't give up. It says, let me encourage you. These are my words. Hang in there. Don't let your finance, this was finances. Today it's your health and finances mm -hmm. or your circumstances determine your future. Remember that there's far more to life than that. Through suffering and struggle, I believe that our lives can be transformed. That's the basic theme of this entire broadcast every week. It is. And I, did, I talked to people and they asked me, and I said, 
We're going to do a, a podcast. I want you to listen to it because it's going to give you encouragement and hope during this very dark and, and cloudy time of not knowing what's going to happen. So we're not drawing a rosy picture. We're drawing a hopeful picture. We're not burying our heads in the sand and telling you to be in denial and to avoid the truth, but we're telling you don't let your emotions take you over. Do not keep taking in all of that negative information about the future because it's overwhelming and it changes from week to week. So be very, very cautious about that. And if you find yourself getting caught up, which is easy to do, talk, to, talk, yourself, out, talk yourself back. Be grateful for the days that you're in the present, that you're recovering, that you're healing, that even if you're not, that you're here and people love you and care about you. That's so important. This is a time in life, um, particularly when you're in the midst of the big hit, that you got to find a way deep within yourself to begin to get grateful for the littlest things. And I encourage you to do that. And I know I live by that. Um, I can't say I was always like that because I wasn't. But it's only through the hard times, the struggles, um, struggle with what my wife is going through and watching her move further and further away. And yet, I am grateful if she wakes up in the morning. I'm grateful if she's breathing. I'm grateful if she says a word or two. And I've never, and I, you know, it's, I told her last night, and I don't know if she really understood, but it's through these times of taking care of her during these times that she's moving toward the end of her life. And I, I love my wife deeply and always have. But the one thing that I feel is, while she's going through this, I've always loved her and I've always cared for her. But I never knew I could love in such a selfless, sacrificial way and feel deeply fulfilled in some way about it. Not, not happy, but fulfilled. Even, and I, I look to her and I say it's because of who she is that has brought out the best in me even now. And I've heard all of her caregivers on their own t at their own times with her saying exactly the same thing. The people at hospice say the same thing about her. So I see it, um, I feel it, and yet the time it's, that what we're going through is a very, very difficult and heartbreaking time. I don't have the control. There's nothing I can do to stop the process. I can love her through it. I can comfort her. I can let her know how much she means to me. I can sacrifice in whatever way it takes to make sure she's comfort comfortable, comforted, and well cared for. To me, that's my number one priority. I can't walk away from that part feeling bad. I feel that I know when it's all over, that part of it I can look back on and say, I gave, it my, I gave her everything I could think of and sacrificed anything for her and made her life the last days or months is as good as it possibly could be. That's what comes out of a crisis, that kind of renewed appreciation and gratitude. And it's, go, it's, weird. it's, a, it's a voice to the soul. And for folks that, I want to say, who I've seen people do, particularly religious people, they mouth those things. Yeah. We're not talking about some theatrical, religious, dramatic performance. It's, it's heartfelt, I think it's God-centered, and um, it's real. And there's no, f you can't fake it. And people who do that always wind up in trouble. There's no faking what I'm talking about. That's what you're going to see in this stripping and breaking during this crisis. You're going to see a certain decency and integrity and love for your fellow man come out in ways and appreciation and gratitude that you've never seen before. 
That's what I'm looking forward to. And I know as we move through this crisis, we're going to see more and more of that. I want to offer you that. And anything you have to say, um, please get in touch with us. We will have this paper available, um, How to Survive During Difficult Times. And eventually we'll bring it back to how you can even thrive. But at this point, I don't think we're going to talk about without survival. So it'll be done and it'll be available. Our book, Trauma, Healing, the Hidden Epidemic, is a really good book. Um, I want to encourage you to take a look at that, too. And we've written other papers that are... We are continually adding to the papers and the information that we have. Yeah. We would love to hear from you. We'd love your feedback on what you've heard today or anything in any other podcast. If you have questions, if you have requests... Uh, please get in touch with us, and we will answer any questions, respond to any feedback, and get any resources, articles, book to you that you would like. Um, let me just say that the Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations from people like you. If our podcast today and the information we provided benefited you or someone you care about, please consider supporting Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment uh, at sctraumatreatment.org. Uh, we are also, uh, the Survivor's Guide to Life is also on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, you can follow us and share and like. And uh, YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Steve. We have our own YouTube channel. Um, we, our website is the survivor's guide to life.com and on that website you'll find all of our podcast recordings and as well as on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and YouTube has all of our podcast videos. Um, so we are Instagram and Peter's personal Instagram. Oh yeah. Peter is enjoying uh, being upfront and personal on yeah. Instagram, and so uh, we'll look for that as well. We'll do one this we'll week. We'll do a follow-up one this week, yes. Yeah. Thank you for listening, and uh, please join us again next Good time. Good health to everyone. Keep in touch. <laughs>